Blog Talk Radio. Radio. You know, everyone on this planet, in some way, shape, or form, is in some stage of awakening. Some people are fully engaged, some have had glimpses of truth but don't trust them, and others have had glimpses they trust, but they become confused when all of a sudden core beliefs come into play and kind of shuts them down. When you don't need to fend for yourself any longer, stay tuned for a great discussion where you will learn to not just realize the truth of who you are, but to be free enough to actually live that truth. This is your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am the founder and CEO of the Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children. I'm also a reconnective healing practitioner, certified vibrational sound therapist, and positive and energy psychology practitioner at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice, located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. 
Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audio books and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer, free of charge, and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. My guest is Diana Stanley, a former Christian missionary who shares how belief blinds us into believing we are flawed and direct experience reveals we are not. Welcome to the show, Diana. Thank you for taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. I really appreciate that. How are you being? I'm well. Thank you, T. Very good to be here with you, too. Great. You know, your book, The Human Experience, is, I don't know, it's, it's kind of a step-by-step guide to awakening based on your own life experience. And you share that within the book. So I thought maybe the best way to get started here is with you telling us, you know, what made you decide to share your story and actually write this book and just exactly what is your story? So if you give us a little bit of an overview. Yes, that would be wonderful. Actually, I do bring some of my journey into it, but it's not so specific to me because we all, in our own way, close down to life now, and then we all, in our own way, have glimpses of that openness when we're fully open to life now, and it's and it's becoming aware that those glimpses of openness, which register as peace and well-being within us, is actually our true nature. That that is actually what we're sensing. But often when we have those glimpses, we think it's coming from outside of us, such as when we're in nature and we just have this sense of peace and well-being. We think it's coming from outside of us, but actually in that moment, we're fully open to life as it is. We're fully open to our true nature, and that's what we're sensing. So although I do bring in my own journey in this book, uh, it's not so specific to me. I'm just giving examples of when I was closed and how that felt and when I'm open and conscious of what I'm sensing and how that feels. So everybody can relate to the experience that I share in my book because it's the experience that we all have in our everyday life. I'm not one that had a a mystical experience uh, for whatever reason I don't know. I, I At one point, I thought that's what I needed um, because the conditioned patterns continue to come up even after the shift of understanding. But I held true to what I knew, which was the stillness within, very quiet, very subtle, nothing mystical about it, nothing extraordinary about it, but this sense of well-being that I knew that we all are, I trusted it fully. And then whenever I felt contracted within, I saw through that contraction back into the true natural sense of self. So we don't need a mystical experience to realize our true nature. We are already that. So for you, it was more of, you know, where it wasn't a mystical experience. And, And I don't think it is for many people. I think it's more like an aha moment you know, that finally you get it. And I think everybody at some point starts to go within to seek more. And when you do that work on yourself for a long enough period of time, because it doesn't happen overnight, you do get that aha moment. Would you agree with that? Well, yes. When when we stop looking for the answer outside of us, when we go within and we're just fully open. For quite a while, actually, I was going... I, well, I thought I was going within, but it was to improve 
what I thought I was. So there was a self-improvement path that I went on for quite some time. I journaled. I went back into my childhood, tried to figure out what in the world is wrong with me and why I continued to feel so confused, so contracted within, so stressed out. And I was trying to figure it all out because I was coming from that place of lack, a flawed sense of self. So I thought that was going within, but actually it's not. It's it's just going within our our swirl of belief system. We have to go or we have to at least be open to what is when there is no belief playing out. Because beliefs change. Beliefs mm-hmm. are subject to time, to the time in which we're born. If I was born 100 years ago, I probably would have had very different belief systems than now. And they're also subject to space, location of our birth. If I was born in Afghanistan, I probably would have very different belief systems than I had being raised in the United States. So we can't trust these beliefs. There's something beyond, our nature is beyond time and space. It is unconditioned regardless of where we're born or when we're born. Everybody knows this. It's universal. So it is It is really being open to just that. And it's very, very subtle and maybe very quiet initially, just this vast sense of well-being, that there is no lack, that there is wholeness now. And so... Um, when I when the self improvement path didn't work and I got desperate, uh, there was just such a lot of suffering because I I had a sense that there has to be a universal truth or or this life makes no sense at all. That m- the truth that is here is the truth that is in Afghanistan. And the truth that is here in 2017 is the truth that is that was a thousand years ago, because if there is no truth like that, it just this life makes no sense at all. I felt that within my within every cell of my being, and I was desperate to find it. And so, finally, when the self improvement path fell through, and it just did not work. I I just went on a journey to find truth. What is true? And somehow, when I voiced it like that, what is true, this sense arose in me that if I really want to know the truth, well, I should honor now what I know to be truest. And what I then knew to be truest was following, honoring my joy. Whatever I felt was that flow of joy, I honored it. But even though I began to feel a little bit better in doing that, my search for truth didn't diminish. I wasn't, I I didn't then go on a path of just living my joy. No, that was not enough because I knew if I did that, suffering would come, you know, I would continue to suffer. Those cycles would continue. So I wanted to be out of it completely. So my, uh, my intention, I put out into the universe, I want to know the truth. And and gradually, well, not gradually, it was, I, I'm not sure how long after I put this intention out into the universe, I came across the book, A New Earth, by Eckhart Tolle. Mm-hmm. And the first time I read that book, I got very excited, and I knew 
he was pointing to something very significant, but I had no idea what it was. And then when I finished reading that book, I had the impulse, read it again and read it now. And this is very unusual for me. I was very conditioned to not waste time, not to do something, you know, a second time. Mm-hmm. But I, I felt in that moment, and that was my joy, um, to follow my joy was to read that book again. And it was during that second reading. And also, it wasn't just reading the book. I was also, in my best, in best as I could, putting what he was saying into practice, trying to be as present as possible. And uh, it was somewhere during that second reading where I just had the shift of understanding that there is nothing wrong and that all is well, that there is wholeness now already, and this sense of lack that we all feel is not true. It was that simple. It was that profound. It was earth-shaking, but it was just so ordinary at the same time. And then, but that is really only the beginning of my journey then. And then this book does go more into what happens after that initial glimpse. What I find very interesting is when when we're talking about lack, you know, you said in your book with absolute consistency that you observed that when the belief in lack is seen all the way through, the sense of lack dissolves and peace is sensed. And then later on, you give an example that perfectly, perfectly depicts that when you talk about you were brushing your teeth in the desire of getting into bed to finally be able to read about being present. And that's when it hit you that you believe that life now is lacking. You know, when you're brushing your teeth and thinking that you're in that place where you believe life is lacking and that life would be better when you're in bed reading, because that's what human beings do. They look for the next step. We're doing something almost rote to go to the next step because it's going to be better. And giving that example, I mean, I had to laugh because I thought, well, this is perfect because, you know, you don't think that you're in lack when you're brushing your teeth thinking, I just can't wait to crash. I just can't wait to get into bed. I've got to brush my teeth and get in bed. But that's definitely showing lack for the present moment. And whenever we're talking, we talk a lot on the show about the present moment and being in the present moment. And that means every moment, whether you're brushing your teeth, <laughs> you know, whatever it is in that moment live that moment to its fullest and i just loved the way that you you brought that up because it in such a simple and easy way it shows what lack truly is mm-hmm. yes absolutely it's the the sense of lack that we're so programmed to uh, not sense life directly which when we sense life directly unfiltered by any belief, there is a sense of stillness and well-being. And the moment we identify with a thought such as, I can't wait to get in bed, Mm -hmm. I can't wait to stop brushing my teeth so I can get in bed, that then filters life now. And actually, we're filtering the sense of our true nature. That's what we're filtering, the sensing of what we actually are, wholeness itself. This is why it is so significant when we see through lack, because when we see through lack, when we, when we expose it as false, we are actually exposing The false separate self, the false self that is separate and lacking. Initially, when I was seeing through the sense of lack, I didn't fully understand that significance, but that's okay. 
it reveals itself to us more and more as we as we just rest in stillness trust that sense of well-being trust that what we actually are is whole already this revolutionizes not only how we feel inside it revolutionizes how we express ourselves because when we really look at all conflict within our own lives or within the world it comes from this sense of lack this sense of disconnect we feel lacking so we feel that other people are either the problem and they're the solution they're either keeping something from us or or they're or they're they're doing something um to keep us from something or mm-hmm. uh, you know they're they're either the problem or the solution that that the answer is not within us the answer is not us the answer is somehow out there and so we feel that we have to control and manipulate others to get what we believe we need but if we just just let that belief go for just a moment and just see now if there is anything lacking because it's interesting if, oh go ahead go ahead no you go ahead <laughs> uh, because if our sense of well-being if our sense of self is truly dependent on other people we are victims mm-hmm. and to stay in that victim mentality is is torturous because it it's implicit in that mentality to control and manipulate and other people don't like to be controlled and manipulate just as we don't like to be and so the conflict is inevitable it's never ending we have to somehow and and more and more people are coming to this as we're awakening to our wholeness we're coming out of that sense of lack which then uh, stops us from trying to get what we think we need from other people we allow them to just be so we're not trying to control and manipulate the conflict within subsides and the conflict without subsides and we allow ourselves to be as well one of the one of the critical points and it could be me uh when i was reading your book was when you actually said that you observed that when the belief in lack is seen all the way through the sense of lack dissolves and peace is sensed and i read that and i thought what do you mean seen all the way through what does that mean when the belief in lack is seen all the way through and it wasn't until i got probably it was another 30 pages, 35 pages to, to the analogy of the teeth brushing that I got what you meant. It, that was like an aha moment for me because I thought, oh, that's what she means. Okay, I get it. You see it all the way through. So for listeners, you know, to see something all the way through doesn't mean to wait it out and, and you know, see what the end result is going to be and someday you'll get it. It's being in that moment and realizing I'm not in the moment because I'm thinking about doing this or I'm thinking about doing that. I'm not paying attention to what's before me right now and living this moment. And that was really astounding because it's never been explained that way, you know, that you that those little things are lack. People think the word want is lack. You're showing lack. When you set an intention, and I do this with people all the time, and they'll say, well, I want, and I'll say, no, you don't. <laughs> they'll say yes I do and I'll say no really you don't <laughs> because when you say I want you're showing lack so you have to express your intention in the present form you know I am I have it is whatever it is and say thank you for it ahead of time and then your intention will manifest and you I didn't think really beyond that too much you know except when I read your book and I got that and then I started counting during the day after I read the book okay when am I doing the teeth brushing thing and that's how I refer to it. And, and I went through the day, and, and there were like six or seven times where I caught myself and thought, okay, 
you need to just stay brushing your teeth, T. You just need to stay brushing your teeth. And I was like, wow, this is crazy good because it puts you back into the moment. As soon as you get that awareness, it puts you right back into the moment so that you realize every single moment does count. That's not a joke when people say it. Everybody thinks, oh, well, yeah, every day or whatever. No, it's every single moment. And that, that was probably the biggest thing because it set the tone for everything else. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yes, absolutely. I actually yeah. give another example in the book, a couple of, a little bit farther in, about washing yep. the dishes. And uh, I think it's so good to bring in these ordinary examples because that's what awakening is. It's not just when we're meditating on uh, on the cushions, but it's when we bring our meditation into daily life at every moment, and and we're just interested, what is now true? What is now true? What is my true sense of self? Rather than just assuming that the conditioned sense of self, which is lack, a sense of lack, is true. We assume that. We assume that we are lacking, that we need to improve ourselves in some way, but we don't just investigate whether that assumption is actually true we just letting go of it for for a moment and then just sensing sensing our being now and so that's the opportunity that we have at every moment of of the of the day that is what awakening is just stabilizing in that true sense of wholeness and, you know, the washing the dishes one, when I read it, I had to laugh at that, too, because I use that as an example with people. And I'll say, you know, when you're washing the dishes, that can be extremely meditative. Just, you know, pay attention to what you're doing. I cannot tell you how many times I've used that example. But I, I think the reason why it, it got the, the teeth brushing thing got to me is because of the way your sentence read that when you see the lack all the way through, when lack is seen all the way through – and I was not, clearly I wasn't seeing that because I was being present in the moment with what I was doing, I thought, you know, but I too want to get to bed. I too want to, you know, get going to work. I too have to put on my scrubs and, and get out, you know, get, get my um, patient room ready. I too have to do these things. So you're constantly thinking ahead, thinking that, oh, yes, I'm brushing my teeth. But the moment you stop thinking that and you're out of it, you're out of it. You're completely out of it. And that's yeah. what, what. That's what brings you back. It's just like meditation. When I'm teaching people meditation, it's, you know, nobody succeeds at meditation. Nobody does. You succeed for a while, and then your mind drifts, and you have to bring yourself back. And there is the key. As soon as you're aware that you drifted and you're bringing yourself back, you're like, oh, okay. And give yourself a pat on the back for doing that because you brought through that awareness, which is going to bring more awareness to you throughout the day for each moment. And it's funny how you can talk like that and say that to people and think you're living it, and then one sentence in one book comes through, and I say, what does that mean is seen all the way through? And 30 pages later, I read what it means, and I'm like, oh, wow, okay, now I completely get it. So I thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, and that's so true, that point you brought up about when we're aware of this, this mind stream, then, then we're out of it because being aware of it is, is so significant. Even if we mm-hmm. get caught up in it again and again, that sense of lack, we get caught up in it, but now we're seeing it, now we're on to it. So, uh, we, but honoring the seeing, the understanding of wholeness is significant rather than believing that we need to hold out for something more. That's a trap. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, and that that's a trap with a lot of seekers, even those who have had profound glimpses. And luckily... Well, for a while, I did have that in my mind that because after the glimpse and and even some of the stabilization of the understanding, there was just still so much of the conditioned patterns that continued to come up, and I really had nobody to talk to. Um, but I, you know, I had wonderful books, teachers, videos to to read and to watch. 
but I had to really trust what I knew to be true, even in the face of those conditioned patterns coming up. So even in the back of my mind there was, well, maybe I do need a mystical experience to blast these out. But thankfully, I didn't follow that. I I just let that thought be, but then I continued to trust this sense of well-being and to see through the sense of lack whenever I was aware of it. And um, so... But but this is very significant, and a lot of people, especially if they have had a mystical experience, and then they think that well, I need another one. They don't under they don't see that even the conditioning coming up now is is like grace itself, offering us an opportunity to just confirm what we know to be true and in that confirming what we know to be true the clarity between what is false and what is true deepens it's amazing how it all works together when we are open to whatever comes even those conditioned patterns that come up and actually for me, after the shift of understanding, it seemed like they they came up more so than ever. And looking back at it now, it's it probably wasn't, but I was more aware of it. Right. And it's mm-hmm. that awareness that uh, seemed to create more confusion and more suffering. So... It, there, on one level, there was more confusion and suffering, but then on another level, there was absolute. This might sound crazy, but on it was there was just absolute peace and well-being. I knew it to be so, but at the surface, yes, there was a lot of confusion and even some suffering about it all. But that makes but sense. Gradually, to me. it became clearer. Yeah. It makes complete sense because in order to, well, in order to get over something, you have to go through it. So, of course, you have to go through whatever it is. Even though you know what the truth is, you have to go through it. So you had to go through that surface in order to get that deeper level of peace. So that makes complete sense. That, that yeah. just makes complete sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's like when, when, we're, when we're growing up, um, when we come into this human experience, and then we take on the conditioning. It's, it's a conditioned way of taking our thoughts and our feelings personally. We believe them to be the truth of who we are. We, we forget our wholeness. We forget our, our openness. And so we take on these thoughts and these feelings as personal, which kind of, it closes us down into one way of being. We, we think we're, we're these flawed, separate beings, and we have to kind of navigate our way through this world very carefully, guardedly, because we could get hurt. And... <clears throat> We're not allowing the energy to flow. We're not allowing our thoughts and feelings to just be. We're taking them personally. We don't, under, we don't see that they're, they're instruments, they're tools. They're not the truth of our being. So after the shift, after the glimpse, after we have some understanding of what we are, well, then it's as if these thoughts, these same thoughts and feelings then come up and they want to be free. They want to be experienced just as they are. We want to experience ourselves as we are. But 
for us to experience ourselves as we are, we have to then allow everything to be free. We have to, we have to allow our thoughts and feelings to flow, not, not taking them personally. Because our sense of well-being is not dependent, it's not conditional on what thought we have. So I can have the thought, I'm not worthy, or, boy, he's such a jerk. I can have those same thoughts. Prior to my shift of understanding, those, those thoughts would be believed. I would feel a sense of lack. I might act out. After the shift of understanding, when I know wholeness to be the reality of my being, I could have those same thoughts. I'm unworthy. He's a jerk. They have no effect on my sense of self because I know my sense of self is not dependent on what's coming and going. It's energy flowing. And now this is why after the shift of understanding, all those thoughts and feelings that we identify with, it's as if they become frozen in time. And now after the shift of understanding, they want to be free. So they come up in full force. We, we then have the opportunity to stand as this wholeness and allow them to come, allow them to just flow. The same thoughts, the same feelings. I could have this feeling of intense fear, so to speak. Prior to the understanding, I, would, I might fall on the floor in a, in a ball, just shaking. After the understanding, I might still shake, allow those feelings to move, and then, then, they, would, then they would leave. I wouldn't believe them to be personal. I wouldn't take any uh, thoughts that come, may come with them as true, so they would just move through very organically. And that is when, when you say that your life being your teacher, when you realize that absolutely everything, everything, pain, loss, thoughts, feelings, illness, whatever it is, all of it, is love itself pointing the way to peace without exception. That is what you're speaking about. Yes, absolutely. The, the song that you open your program with actually has some really wonderful lines in it. I just I wrote mm-hmm. them down as I was listening to it. <laughs> Some of them go like, uh, look at my life in a different way. Mm-hmm. Say thank you for everything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter uh, what tomorrow brings. Right. So, yes, say thank you to everything. So we, so we welcome everything. We're, 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 looking, we're looking at life in a different way. We're open to life in a different way. We're now open to life directly. We're not filtering it through our beliefs in lack. So everything is allowed, the thoughts and the feelings, and gradually we realize, oh, they're not personal. They're not the truth of my being. Thoughts, words can be wonderful pointers to truth. We point to truth all the time. Even in, in the, the song, they, they were pointing to truth. Mm-hmm. But we, we can't take those thoughts or those words as truth itself. Just as if we were talking about love or we used the word love, we wouldn't believe that that concept, that word love, is love itself. But for some reason, when we, when we then talk or point to truth, in our programming, it's, it's as if we equate thought with truth. It's interesting how that works, how that dynamic mm-hmm. works. But it's not, it, it, the truth of our being is not a concept. It's not a word. So we can point to it with words, such as we can ask the question, well, what am I? or what is true, what is now true, and then we just let the words drop, 
and then we sense. So what and we're doing, you, yeah, is we're ahead. sensing. We're we're sensing life directly, without it being filtered. And and this is the sensing of our very nature. And, you know, the whole book, really what it, for me, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but to me, it came up as being a book showing us that absolutely everything is also lack because we, we live that way as humans. You know, there's not enough of this, there's not enough of that. And it's teaching us that lack is not the way to be, but to, including, I mean, you even speak about judgment. Whenever you judged how life was presenting itself, you said not only did life feel like it was lacking, but you did as well. So there we go with our own core belief that we don't even know we have, judging someone, and it's bringing us down. So even when it came to judgments about weather, mm-hmm. you, you, you needed to experience it directly without judgment, so there was no lack in life or in self, meaning you. That's... That you know, lack and judgment. I don't think people put those together, but you did, and it makes perfect sense. Yes, yes, yes. And everything I'm I'm sharing, I don't want anybody to believe anything that I'm sharing, uh, but to check it out for themselves in their own experience. Right. And and everybody can do this. They can investigate how judgment feels within them when they. When they judge, when when we judge, yes, even the weather, we judge each other, we judge all kinds of things, and immediately there's that sense of lack. There's something wrong. I'm lacking something. Something needs to be different. It needs to stop raining. They need to stop doing that. I need to stop doing that. On and on it goes, and it is truly as simple as that saint francis said what we are looking for is where we are looking from i love that what we are looking for is where we are looking from yep so when we look out and we judge then what we're looking for is obscured just because of how we are looking. And when we look out and we don't judge, we're fully open. We're saying thank you to everything. We're welcoming everything as it actually is, even our thoughts and feelings. Then we are sensing what we actually are, what is actually looking. What we are is already the case. We are we are that wholeness. We we each everybody knows what feels natural. Peace feels natural. The sense of well being and openness feels natural. What is natural doesn't have to be acquired, created. It doesn't have to be figured out. What is natural is. When we feel this sense of unworthiness and lack, we are not feeling, we are not recognizing our natural state. It already is. We have to trust it. And we have to be interested enough to see how we are actually creating the sense of lack by when we identify with thoughts and feelings. We're not creating lack. Lack does not exist. It is false. It's funny because yeah. It's it's funny because I had a, a client come in once and she had come back from a yoga retreat and she said, you know, the the yoga instructor had said we already are everything we're trying to be. She said everybody's here seeking something 
And she said, you know, each and every one of you, you are already everything you're trying to be. And I started to laugh. And she said, what are you laughing at? And I said, well, it's so true. And she goes, it took me a minute to get it. Why did you just get it? And I said, because it's true. It's absolutely true. Everything is, it's like putting out a buffet of food and the food is there for you and you're not seeing it and saying, well, I need food. I need food. It's right there. It's right in front of you. You just have to find it. That's your job. And she said, yeah. She said, I can't believe it, though, so succinctly to say you're already everything you're trying to be. And I said, it makes perfect sense. You know, I mean, when you think about it, it, it really does, because we're born into this world with everything that we need. And then through society, parents, teachers, whoever it is that's teaching us, our mentors along the way, everything gets muffled up and you forget that sense of origin in who you actually are. So it's interesting that we all try to go down this road to, to seek who we are when we came in knowing fully well who we were, and then somehow it all got lost, and now it's going back again. But it really is right there. It's just right there in front of you. Just have to find yeah. it. Yeah, I so think true, your, yeah. your book does that well. I mean, you point out many, many things, and for me it was the – that the sense of lack and the judgment. And as you said, it's from the, each person is different. So yes, you, you read the book with an openness of saying, okay, well, this is what her experience was. What is my experience? But there will be things I guarantee that will resonate with people as they read this book, because you will just, something will pop out and you will get it. And even though when I first read that sentence that, you know, when lack is seen all the way through, I'm like, what does that mean? I put that out there. What does that mean? And then, you know, 30, 40 pages later, I, I get the story that shows me this is what it means. And I think, oh, I never really thought of it at that level. So each person, because we're all at different stages of awakening, are going to get different concepts out of everything that we read. And, and I am a firm believer in reading things a couple of times because the first time you read it, you know, you'll get something. But there are many times I'll go back and take a book off my shelf and, and I'll think, you yeah, know, I wonder if this was the book. And I'll start flipping through it and I'll read just one passage and I'll think, yep, that's what I needed today. So you get something each time you read the same passage over and over again. I think you get something new because we evolve and we're awakening and we're growing. And so you're going to read into it differently. Sometimes it won't make sense. Sometimes it's just words and sometimes it's an aha moment. And I think your book does that well. I think it it opens, it's good for everyone because it will open people up who are at every stage of awakening. And I'm sure that was part of the reason why it had to be, it had to be put out into the world at this point in time because there are so many people that are awakening at different levels and this seems to hit on many different levels so it would be, you know, it would relate to everyone. Well, yes. The, yeah. the, second, the second part of the book talks more about expressing this understanding yeah. and that uh, that then as we as we move with this understanding that all is well and and we're not coming from a place of lack then we we more fully understand that we're we're not separate from life, that we, we are life itself. Initially, I think I even might have mentioned this in the book, for me and for I think many, many as we awaken, there's that sense of wholeness, but there's still some feeling of separation from life. So certain aspects of life are feared. We feel that there's wholeness, but we feel like that we're like these separate whole consciousnesses. But it, when when we're just continuing to open to this understanding, it reveals itself more and more. So as we then move with this understanding, we we are moving in different ways. For example, some of us are programmed to have fears around money. Others are programmed mm -hmm. to have fears around, let's say, relationships, finding somebody to love. On and on it goes, the physical body, different fears. So after the understanding, 
integrates to a certain level, we then move in different ways. We, we then face challenges. Life then allows us to have challenges in those areas of life we are programmed to be afraid of, to fear, in order right. for us to see that there is nothing to fear, even in these areas we've been conditioned to fear. So in my case, I had some fears around finances. Well, this at a certain period of this, this awakening, I felt strongly to move out of my marriage. So there was a lot of fear that came up around that, financially and otherwise. What are people going to think of me on and on? But I, I knew it to be the way life was now moving me. So I, I moved in that way. There were other areas, such as employment. My job no longer fit me. I was in a teaching position. I knew to leave it. I could not stay. It was very clear to me. I had to move out, or if I didn't, I would. it would just be pure suffering. And at that point, I had no idea what my divorce settlement would be. I was going to lose my medical insurance. But it it was so clear that this was how life life was moving me, so I did. Mm-hmm. This was completely against my programmed way of moving. My programmed way of moving was to do the responsible thing. Think about finances first. Do not take risks. Um, so that's how I was conditioned to move. After the shift of understanding had integrated to a certain level, all of that changed. I was no longer moving from that sense of fear and lack. So there was more freedom. It's not to say that fear didn't come up. No, fear came up, sometimes very intensely, but it no longer stopped me. I allowed the fear fully. The the sensations, I didn't identify with them, so they didn't change my movements. I didn't um, I didn't listen to those those fear sensations. I allowed them to be, and then I I moved the way I knew I had to move. So gradually, within that freedom of expression, fear more and more fear dissolved, and there was the deepening understanding that, oh, I am this life. There is no separation. That there is nothing to fear because there's no there's nothing separate from what I know myself to be. So it was all very experiential, very organic. It wasn't like I I, I was learning there's no separation. I wasn't studying it or believing believing that there's nothing separate or that that we are life itself. No, there was that understanding that was taking hold within me as I as I just moved with this flow of life itself, regardless of any fear that came up. And that, when you move with the flow, is when things start to happen in a much more positive way. So even though the fear was there, and it still is, if you're going with it, things end up, first of all, I think that you go through it much more quickly you know, and, and things end up coming out in a way that you fully understand. And it's easier because you're a a bit more relaxed with it. And when, you know, it's anything when there's resistance is going to, to hurt you more than if there's no resistance. So when you let that go, the identification of it and the, um, the control, you let the control go. And that's what you speak about in the book, the identification and the control as it relates to this and letting that go without, without judgment then that is what helps you to get through it. So that was very, very interesting. We are almost at the top of the hour, Diana. I can't believe it. This time has flown by. But before we go, would you please tell our listeners how they may learn more about you and where they may purchase your book, The Human Experience is the Dance of Heaven and Earth, A Call Home to Peace. Yes, it's on Amazon.com. Your local bookstore can order it. 
And you can find out more about me at my website, deannastanley.com, and on Facebook. I would love to hear from you. And thank you, T, so much for this opportunity. It was really wonderful speaking with you. Oh, it was great having you on. Thank you for joining me. And I'm going to spell the website because this is not spelled the way people probably think it is. So you're going to type in www. And then it's Deanna, D-H, H is in happy, Y-A-N-A-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y.com. So go and check that out. And uh, once again, thank you so much. This was really, it was, it was a very enlightening show. I enjoyed it immensely. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. So listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world. That's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life that we are meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. This is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archive list of past shows, a lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting. My big announcement My children's book, Santa's Tiniest Elves, just launched on August 1st, yesterday. A portion of the proceeds from the sale of the book is going directly to children in need. It is available at Amazon and, of course, through your local bookseller. Be sure to check out our site, sojihuggles.org, where every penny of every donation goes directly to children in need. We are run solely by volunteers, so there's no salaries, stipends, or compensation of any kind to anyone. We are Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, investing in a brighter tomorrow by giving them a better today. So thank you for taking time to visit our website, sojihuggles.org. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio and at Soji Huggles. I am your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well.